are present in more than 40 countries. We are one of the biggest private utility in the world. We are managing 75 million customers connected to our grid around the world. The global CHG emission provided by the cloud provider was more or less 4%, but we expect in 2015 that it will be doubled. The new polluter of the world will be the cloud provider because of the huge amount of computational capacity that the world needs in order to support the digital transformation within the different industrial sectors. Generally speaking, he and she can live more or less eight years. Just born, when you open your eyes, you have in front 20,500 lucky days and 20,500 unlucky days. If you start to do something, you can change the ratio in your favor. This is CRNet TV. My name is Hendrik Deckers. I'm here today with Carlo Bozzoli, who is the uh, Group Chief Information Officer of the NL Group in Italy. A very warm welcome, Carlo. Hi, Hendrik. Very happy to be here today with you. Carlo, you have a degree in economics from the Università degli Studi Guglielmo Marconi. You started your career with Enel in 1984, and during this time you had various positions, in, uh, including the head of uh, IT demand and delivery, the head of global information and communication technology, and you became the global CIO in 2014. So, Carlo, tell me a little bit more about yourself, what's your background, where you're from, and how did you arrive in this position? Okay, thank you, Hendrix. I, I'm from Italy, precisely from Modena. It's a very beautiful city mm -hmm. in the northern of Italy. And I began my professional career in 1984, starting working in a thermal power plant in the northern of Italy. Mm -hmm. And I was at that time involved in the field of industrial control systems, and I started to code in Assembler. And before, yeah, yeah the early beginning of the coding, and uh, before moving to the business Rome headquarters in 1999, I was mainly involved in some uh, business process engineering projects. And uh, after between mm -hmm. 2000 and 2009, I took up a number of positions in ICT division, heading up uh, sub-technologies, smart metering project, planning a strategy, performance and quality management. And finally, I was head for demand and delivery, as you correctly mentioned at the beginning of the, the interview. Mm -hmm. And before taking my current role, I was also the head of the network commercial services for the infrastructure and network division in Italy, where at that time I was responsible for metering, energy balance, energy traders management, grid connection, billing and credit management, and service quality and customer care. So a very long story within the company. So tell us a little bit more about Enel. I know it has 88 billion of revenue uh, per year. But tell us a little bit more. What business, I mean, it's energy, but what specifically, what kind of businesses is, uh, is Enel in? Just, uh, just a few words to try to describe that kind of giant that is playing a key role in the energy transition around the world. We, nowadays, we are present in more than 40 countries. We are one of the biggest wow. private utility in the world. Maybe the biggest one uh, vertically integrated. And we are managing, uh, let me say, 75 million customers connected to our grid around the world. We are managing 2.2 kilometers of grid around the world from the high voltage to the low voltage. 
and also we are managing more or less 100 gigawatt of uh, capacity installed around the world and more than half of this is renewable sources and mm -hmm. uh, just few words about the purpose of the company around the world in a very mm -hmm. few sentences we are working uh, for a vision, for an open power vision, for a brighter future. We try to empower a sustainable progress around the world in the energy transition. And mm -hmm. the open power approach is our way of working to do the things inside the company, to be much more open, to involve stakeholders in what we do. And we try to bring forward our business in a sus very sustainable way, taking care not only about what we do, but, but also what we are able to do in which we are doing, how we do in a very different way the business around the world, not only on a profit basis. Yeah. So the energy transition, sustainability are on top of the agenda. What else are the, the main challenges that the company is facing today, besides, of course, the transition and, and sustainability? Uh, I think that uh, as many organizations are trying to do, our organization is going through a very deep transformation. And we are trying to evolve from a very old-fashioned asset-based company to a platform-based company. Mm -hmm. This is not yeah. only a change of skin, as you can imagine, but it's a very impactful evolution in, in, in uh, let me say, that involves in a very deepened way our organization, working in a platform mm -hmm. ways as a big impact, as you can imagine, on the processes. And the old-fashioned way of managing processes was creating, a, let me say, a procedure for each specific case that we built in the past, mm -hmm. but otherwise in the platform-based organization, processes are standard, they are only viewers. you have to be able to manage only very few exceptions, you have to bring efficiency in the operation, try to reduce the time to do the things, to the, go to the market, to increase the scalability of the business around the world. So it's a very, very hard change, very deep change. And the business side in the organization is also going through a very different mindset that we have to change within the company. In the platform mm -hmm. company, everyone should take in account the entire stakeholders group before making a decision. Platforms are ways to extract much more value from complex system and we are convinced that we should not be scared about complexity and we are trying to mm -hmm. shift from being asset manager to be formidable orchestrator of ecosystem. Another potential driver for change or, or a, a possible concern I can imagine for, for your organization is the global political situation the energy pricing situation, the, uh, how, how, is, how are you managing that? Yeah, we, we are struggling a very difficult momentum around the world nowadays mm -hmm. due to many factors, let me say not only the war in Ukraine but the general contest that uh, are involving many operators in the energy space due to the volatility of the mm -hmm. commodity, due to, let me say, yeah. to the weaknesses of the supply system around the world the huge dependency of Europe uh, from Far East, mainly China. And what we learned in the last couple of years after the COVID era, so the change in the, let me say, in the way to work. So mm -hmm. 
but we are acting as a multinational co company covering all business across the energy value chain within 40 countries. We are facing many different cultures, many different, let me say, economic situation in terms of growing, in terms of, let me say, reliability, in terms of, let me say, fluctuation of the currencies, and so on and so on. Also. And yeah. this is making the operation very complex to drive and to also to address in a very different way on a local basis and on a global basis. So that's what we are struggling. Yeah. And within this, there is the energy transition. We are trying to move from the fuel fossils to renewable sources. That's, that is the play yeah. game, the playground. Yeah, so as they, as they say, may you live in interesting times. I think we live in interesting times. Right? Yeah. That's the really. least what you can say. So, Carlo, you talked about the, the big energy transformation, uh, the, the move to sustainability and the platformization of the, of the company. So what's the, uh, what's the impact on digital? What kind of digital transformation are you putting in place to support that platformization? That's, that's, that is in line with the contest because we start a few years ago and uh, this is, let me say, making us much more resilient in order to face that, mm -hmm. let me say, very... Uh, challenging conditions. This makes that we have to change our operation, that we're very complex and continue to be very complex. And moreover, some of the businesses come from acquisitions, some others from, let me say, organic growth. And this means that we have to include new processes and new systems in our organization. And we ended up having different processes and systems for the same business activity in different parts of the organization. And for example, we had different billing system, different CRMN, different, let me say, customer management system. And so many, many activities to, to address in order to optimize and rationalize the portfolio because uh, mm -hmm. uh, we want to be prepared to face the, the market condition, but also to support the transition in, very, in a very different way instead of the past. Mm -hmm. And how we try to solve it, no? It's, Coming back yeah. to your question, we are convinced that we can solve it, we can address that kind of uh, transformation with uh, the platformization concept, the platformization archetypes. No? Platformization mm -hmm. means to standardize as much as possible to make the, bus the business, let me say, plug and play around the world. Mm -hmm. what, means what means plug and play? Complexity, crime, came at first acquisition, but in a platform company, acquisition don't affect the operations. They are just another piece of the puzzle that you can attach or detach when needed without problems in a very easy way. Mm -hmm. And the platformization doesn't mean only to have single software managing processes in many countries. It's also a business transformation, a very deep business transformation before changing system, the business area need to rethink their activities to remove all the not needed customization at difference, the difference from the processes. And ICT and business need to work very close together in order to accomplish a true performization within the organization. It's also a new way to operate the business, not only to inject mm -hmm. new IT platform. So you need to almost like re-platform or reinvent the, the, the core platforms. And I understood you have done a huge uh, transformation to the cloud. So maybe we can start with, with, with talking about 
your cloud transformation. When did that start and where are you today? That was the very beginning of the story, the very beginning of our digital transformation plan. We have to go back to 2014 when we mm -hmm. took that kind of decision to move from the, let me say, outsourcing that was the mm -hmm. operating model that we had in place at that time in Iberia and Latin America, and from the on-premises on that was the operating model that we had in place in Russia, in Romania, in Italy, and also in, in many of the parts of the Europe. So we, after, after that time, we took a decision to move in a third way, leaving up the two current models that we had in place at that time, and to jump in in the cloud. And that was a sort to provide the will to the company. And mm -hmm. the, uh, the challenge, was what we can do after the cloud transformation in order to leverage on this. Because of, we start in 2014, we complete the, the we start, we study a couple of years, we start the project in, in 2016 operationally, we complete mm -hmm. by the end of 2018. So there are six years that we are more or less in the, in the cloud, mm -hmm. and four years that we are fully in the cloud, 100% and what we can do after this, and that was, let me say, the platformization scale-up that we start to discuss now previously, in order to leverage, continue to leverage on this. So already since 2018, you are 100% cloud. So that must, you must have been one of the first big, big organizations that have, have gone 100% cloud so early, no? Yeah, the first one and the biggest utility in the world at that time, mm -hmm. and the biggest pro project on the cloud transformation uh, delivered in the world. That are not my words, but uh, that was, let me say, uh, remarked by Amazon, that was the first cloud provider that we are leveraged on. Nowadays, we are a multi-cloud, let me say, company. We are working with Google, with Azure, with Amazon, with Oracle, and so mm -hmm. on, and other 30 cloud providers for the software as a services, let me say, platform. But at that time, yeah. was the biggest project in the world that we deliver okay. in nine months for half of the transformation of the portfolio. So your strategy was first we move all the systems that we have to the cloud, and then we started doing the re-platforming of, of, of the core uh, system. So that move was done in 2018. So where, what's the strategy? Talk me through the strategy since uh, 2018 of the platforms. But what's, what's quite, let me say, um, strange because of we, des we don't decide to only lift and shift the workloads from mm -hmm. the premises or from the outsourcing contract in the cloud, but we combine that kind of approach. Think that we were managing thousands and thousands of applications at that time. But oh, yeah. at the same time, we decided to optimize rationalize and reduce the quantity of application, the number of technology passing from hundreds of number of technology to decades. And we reduce for by 40% the number of the application in the portfolio in order to reduce the complexity, the complexity and make the environment much more simple to manage. That's in combination okay. with the transformation. And after that kind of pathway that takes uh, three years, more or less, more or less 
alongside the cloud transformation, how we can do mm -hmm. after that? We can start to operate, start to, uh, to work inside the company from the ICT to the business line, trying, let me say, to mm -hmm. contaminate the business line with that kind of paradigm of way of working that we set up mainly in the ICT and we are trying to export on the business side in working as a platform company on the operation, yeah. operating model point of view. And that was the challenge that we launched a couple of years ago, of, uh, ago and we are in the middle of the kind of platformization and transformation on the way of working inside the company. So move to the cloud and reduce the number of applications, simplification in fact. And the, I was speaking to the, uh, uh, the VP of Enterprise Applications of Unilever the other day, and he talked about the application BMI. I like to have the BMI of weight, uh, the body mass index of applications within a, in an organization. So you reduced your BMI, your application BMI with, uh, with, with 40%. And so now I understand you're putting in place like an NL digital platform, right? Which is the platform to, uh, to further build on. Talk me through that a little bit. Yes, why we, we start and we decided to, let me say, embrace that kind of transformation. As you well know, you consider that you have, let me say, a composite portfolio. Some make mm -hmm. application and some buy application because of mm -hmm. not only your processes can be covered with, let me say, packages available in the market, but sometimes you need to develop internally some features, some application mm -hmm. to cover your needs because of the competition that you are facing, the challenging that you have in the strategy, or because of you have to protect your intellectual property because you are working on, let me say, on the frontier, on the edge. No? No. And if you think to the second part of the portfolio, the, let me say, the make application, what you need to do internally or with some system integration, consider that we are becoming, as I said at the beginning, a software-driven company instead of an asset mm -hmm. orchestrator. Yep. The relevance of the software in the strategy become much more important, much more, much more crucial, and we have to be able to manage, to control, and to address that kind of asset, that kind of skills in a very different way instead of the past. And we decided to deploy an energy digital platform where all the mm -hmm. artifacts that we are able to deliver are delivered like products as a software company is able to do. And not on the mm -hmm. basis of, or let me say, the habit that we had in place in the past to tailor-made, let me say, habits around people, around processes, around organization, as we were able to yeah. do in the past. It's a very huge mindset change inside ICT and after inside the business line in the way they were happy to change, to ask, to ask to do artifact and to do application. And that was, yeah. that was the concept at the basis of the transformation. So if I understand it correctly, in your transformation, uh, in the, uh, you have a strategy buy packages as much as possible, I can imagine, go with standard software. If you cannot do that, go for a make uh, approach and then create basically your digital platform where you can create uh, applications for the, for the business users. Uh, 
Yeah. Let's maybe dive a, a little bit deeper in your in, in your uh, SaaS packages, in, in your core packages that you yeah. use. What you talked about the Amazon and, and the Oracles and the Azures as, as cloud. What are the main uh, ERP and, and, and CRMs and so on that you um, that you use as standard today in uh, in NL? Uh, a lot of key technology on the uh, software as a services, let me say, um, sites. Uh, this is the other part of, part of the portfolio, mainly Salesforce, mm -hmm. uh, ServiceNow, Jagger and so on, in order to, let me say, have in the portfolio a huge number of very few applications that can be adopted horizontally instead of yeah. siloed application let me say, to perform vertically, let me say, and to provide vertically, vertically solution for the global business line. So to make much more horizontal the platform, be able to, let me say, contaminate at the burden, let me say, the different business line. That for, for let me say, the buy solution. But coming back to the energy mm -hmm. digital platform, that is the core of the, of the transformation, we observe uh -huh. that being able to develop internally product and not solution, we were able to reach very interesting, let me say, KPIs. We reduce 25%, let me say, the time in the development of the application. We were able to mm -hmm. improve the quality of the software by 65%. We were mm -hmm. able also to reduce the cost of the application developed internally by 30%. And after that first POC that we delivered a couple of years ago, we decided to start to leverage on a very huge insourcing program, hiring mm -hmm. more or less every year 500% of makers, 500 makers, every year, mm -hmm. starting from 2018, within 2024, in order to have much more control, let me say, in the ICT organization, in terms of ability, capability, to deliver and control the, the technicality in doing software, software in a very different way. And mm -hmm. the reuse was at the basis of the concept. Why? Because of, as you know, any one of the artifacts that you deliver, more or less, by 70% of the code, do the same things in each one of the artifacts. And how we can generalize that kind of microservices, being able that can be, let me say, invocated by each one of the artifacts many times as needed, but there is only one sources, scalable horizontally. And that was, let me say, the concept where we attach, let me say, that, that kind of transformation in order to gain the results that I shared in advance with you yep. a few words ago. So you basically had to build a new software development company. It's, it's like you have uh, created a new software and I can imagine a new data company. Uh, so so how, how do you do that? You say you had to hire a lot of new people. You're still hiring uh, people. Um, but what is the what, what kind of change do you need to bring in a huge organization like NL to really develop a software company within the company? It's a very huge change because of we are 
we were not happy to act as a software company. We were, let me say, mm -hmm. an energy company. And the ICT was managed for many, many years as a cost center to manage, let me say, and not, let me say, a business enabler or a business driver, or let me say, mm -hmm. a business co-leader, as we are trying to do today. And that, that was not, uh, the challenging is not technical, the challenging is in terms of mind, mindset, in terms of posture, in terms of, let me say, to mm -hmm. be able to fully understand which are, let me say, the new key value to address in order to generate added value in terms of doing the things in a very different way. It's quite complex for the ICT department to be perceived in that, in that way from the business line when you act inside the company. But when you start mm -hmm. to move from an asset operator to a software-driven company, that becomes much more relevant and you can, let me say, pursue in a very different way that kind of, let me say, role inside the company. Uh, mm -hmm. Start to be involved in the room when the company defined and took the strategic decisions at the board level. Mm -hmm. no? And that yeah. started because of we were really resilient, we were able to follow the plan, we were able to reach and to overtake all, let me say, the cost saving with the first phases of the digitalization company, mainly based on the cloud transformation. And we acquired mm -hmm. a lot of, let me say, uh, reliability inside the company in terms of ICT. And we start to be invited in the room where the company defined the strategy and defined the, the, the pathway in order to address the, the future strategy and the future way to compete in the market. Based on concrete yeah, results. So no, no yeah. words. So results. based on the results yeah. of the cloud transformation, you have created the necessary, the necessary credibility and the reputation at the board level to basically build a software company because that's a huge investment, right? Yes, and that was the, the, the point when we decided to cancel the ICT division that I led mm -hmm. for five years from 2014-2019. Uh, and we established, we set the Global Digital Solution Division that owns the digital, transform the digital transformation, lead the cybersecurity, lead the telecommunication, and also the digital transformation plan and the ICT, let me say, traditional stuff, in order to completely yeah. change the way of working of the ICT inside the company as, let me say, a co-leader, not an internal supplier. So you had to, you've changed your relationship with the board You've changed the way that the organization is structured. And you say one of the most difficult things is to change the mindset yeah. of people. So how did you do that? What are the, the secret ingredients of changing a, a big organization that, that, like that mind shift wise? Taking consideration that I was happy to sit in the board from the beginning, but I was not at that, that time not so involved, let me say, in defining the strategy. And mm -hmm. after that kind of transformation, I continue to sit in the old, the, comp the strategic com uh, committee inside the company, innovation, investment, transformation, and so on. But with the power and, let me say, the credibility to be a very resilient partner for them in terms of mm -hmm. ability to deliver, in terms of, let me say, 
uh, also uh, credibility of uh, to be able to suggest new way of working and not only as a cost center to manage, as a budget mm -hmm. to manage. No? And on the other side, I was very, very lucky because of my boss. My boss was the first sponsor of the transformation. Mm -hmm. And he pushed yeah. on me every day in terms of to suggest to him new way to do things, new way to create value instead of the past. Mm -hmm. so for me, it was quite easy because of yeah. the CEO of the company, the board of director, trust in ICT in order to redefine and reshape the way to compete in the market, not only to provide to ICT staff. So that's how you change the mindset of, of people in the board, your colleagues on C-level and so on. How Did you also have to do a lot of changes within your teams? Did they did they have to work in different ways, start to think in different ways, be more product-oriented and, and less project-oriented? Certainly, and deeply. I want to share mm -hmm. with you that kind of story because it was very strange. When in 2016, I proposed to the, to the board of directors to change the ICT organization, and please guys, ICT is not mine, is, let me say, a lever to used in a better way altogether and I mm -hmm. want to change the organization pushing new organizational vehicle that we call digital hubs inside each one of the global business line and we co-lead mm -hmm. that kind of organization because that will be the unique location where we start to transform each one of the processes inside the company, each one of the businesses inside the company, in order to try if we have the opportunity to compete and to be organized and to play in a very different way instead of the past. Not in a conversation with, let me say, a supplier and a commitment, but in the way in which together in that organizational space, we put the best minds that we have in the company from the demand to delivery, from the processes to the technology, and we co-lead each one of that organizational vehicle that we call digital apps, where all the resources mm -hmm. spread out inside the company need to be managed in that organizational space in, a, in an agile way to do the things. There is only one backlog that is a business backlog that ICT, with all the business line, manage every day together. Not a plan, not a GAN, not a budget, let me say, to spend, to define, uh, to reshape, but a, mm -hmm. let me say, backlog of, of activities that need to be ranked, that need to be defined every day, daily basis, and need to be managed together. And the ICT mm -hmm. is one of the ingredients that you have to combine with people, skills, budgets, external providers, and so on. And that was the way. And yeah. to, to conclude, many of my colleagues, of the director of the business line, my peers, called to me many days after my conversation with them when I present that kind of project. Are you sure that you want to do this? Why do you want to lose power? and put the power in my hand. This, is, this was your traditional duty. 
So it was yep. a generosity project in order to, let me say, make them aware that they cannot continue to serve as a captive provider inside the company as we were able to do in the past. But we have to co-lead if we want to really change the mindset of the organization. And that was the way. Okay. I, yeah, is so it it's, clear? it's really a fusion of your... <laughs> it's very impressive, eh? How you change IT into digital hubs that work inside the business units, together with the business units, only on business uh, budgets, no IT budgets anymore, close collaboration and... But you didn't lose really power because it's, uh, IT only became more important, right? They, they was very, very um, preoccupied for me because why, Carlo, are you doing this? You are losing power. You are reducing the perimeter. You are reducing your role inside the company. Why? It's not, it's not a question of my power or your power. It's a question that you have to start to do the thing together because of mm -hmm. the, the energy transformation and the digital transformation is not a question to be involved as a supplier inside the company, but you have to co-lead the transformation because of the technology, because of the changing of the process, because of the way in which we are able to engage also the external bodies inside the company, the consultants, the ICT suppliers, the innovators, the startups and so on. And that was very strange because of setting up the digital lab, deciding together to put the best minds inside the company, inside that kind of organizational vehicle. In charge, that kind of vehicle to be the unique way in which we were able to address the transformation without, let mm -hmm. me say, some parallel pathway inside the company where each one of the business line engaged the market, consultants, and so on in a very different way in parallel. Sometimes trying to challenge the ICT in terms of cost, in terms of times, in terms of budget, in terms of proposition, as you well know. Yep. In that way, we operate in a very crystal way. This is the unique way. This is the unique location. This is a unique pathway to do the things, please, if you have some genius around the company, please involve them in that space. And we discuss about the KPIs and the performance of that vehicle without comparing mm -hmm. or challenging in a very strange way, internal organization or engage the market in a very strange way to be much more focused, much more, let me say, efficient. And it's not a question to lose the power. It's a question to cooperate in a very different way yep. instead of the past. And how long did it take you and where are you in your journey into Agile? Because Agile is a journey. It's, it's, a, it's a way of thinking, a way of working that you cannot just implement from, from day one. So um, how far are you in that and, and what were the major challenges you had to fix there? Maybe to, to move from the current state that we had in place at the, at the, in the past at the beginning of the story, it takes more or less to spread out that kind of uh, model and to make it much more effective and really, let me say, uh, able to start to produce uh, results more or less in year, one year. And during this year, that year, sorry, me and many of the colleagues were involved in speak face-to-face -face in 40 countries, we heard the people going back many times 
and speaking, let me say, vis-a-vis -vis with each one of them, each one of the organization, in order to make them able to connect the dots that were of the basis of the transformation we are launching. And yeah. trying to be, make them aware, hey guys, when your boss asks to you to do some things, please wait a moment and try to reconnect, let me say, the brain with the things that we are providing to you today and connect the strategy with the daily basis activity that you are uh, called to provide in terms of being yeah. fully aligned. And we spend a lot of time, a lot of days around the world in trying to change the mindset of the manager, of the middle, middle manager, of the employees and the blue collar around the world. And it took more or less one year in terms of dissemination, mm -hmm. information, yeah. communication, to making them aware of the, all the benefits that we can grab, let me say, in that kind of pathway. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about your IT organization. How, how many people would you say work in IT and digital, internal, externals today in, uh, in, in L Group? Today in ICT we are 3,200 employees spread out in mm -hmm. 25 countries around the world, 10 languages from Europe <laughs> to Andes, from Andes to North America, more or less. And at the beginning, when I was uh, nominated CIO in 2014, we were 1,400. Wow, you doubled the team. We doubled the team and we have a plan to reach 4,200 within 2024. And that was part of the insourcing in plan that we are following, adding more or less mm -hmm. In the last year, in the next year, 500 new colleagues every year and 75% of them are makers in order to have much more control in the, let me say, life cycle management of the code, of the software. Avoiding, let me say, the huge externalization of the coding that nowadays is in the hands of the external provider, but to change the mix, yeah. passing from 15% internally to 35% at the end of the story, to have much more control. Yeah, and how, how, how easy is that for you? I mean, you're a big organization, a traditional organization, energy organization. I mean, you're not a, a startup or a Google. How do you make sure that you can attract the right talent in, 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 in Italy and all the other countries? Yeah, that that's is one of the challenges that we are struggling because of uh, what we learned about two years of pandemic around the world the great resignation that you're observing in the market. Uh, many of the guys that are reaching the company in the tech space are looking for a very flexible way of, way of working, an hybrid way of working. Yep. Let me say, the compensation is not at the top of their needs, but it's one mm -hmm. of the work balance, the way in which the company is able to guarantee a growing path to, let me say, to learn and to do, let me say, and to work on key challenges, okay, or interesting mm -hmm. projects, and consider providing to you some figures that uh, two higher seven per new person in the company, we have to check more or less 1,000 CVs. 1,000 CVs okay. or seven higher? Yes. Yeah, so in that kind wow. of funnel, 1,000 CVs, 
we, we uh, screen in the market, in the social, in the universities, in some, let me say, uh, application that we publish on, on the websites and so on, all the occasion that we have to spread out, oh guys, we are looking for, let me say, new people to hire in the very yeah. different market that we are playing. Only 130 of them jump in, in let me say, in a group interview. So we lost, mm -hmm. let me say, 87% of the first part. 39 of them are involved, in, let me say, in a single interview. Mm -hmm. 12 of them receive an offer by Enel, and, and finally seven accept the offering. Okay. And that is the funnel. Wow. A very, a very, <laughs> a very struggling, a very challenging, uh, let me say, pathway in order to hire the right people. That is not only based on, let me say, the skill, the experience, but how that kind mm -hmm. of guys, of girls that I have in front of me, can able to act inside my organization in order to allow the transformation that we have in mind. Yep. What is important is not only the experience, but how they can be able to act in order to support us in that very huge and challenging pathway. Okay, now this video is being watched by ambitious, young, dynamic uh, IT talent. Let's take this opportunity. Why would they need and come and work for you? Why do they need to come and work for ICT of, uh, of Enel? What is, what is special? What kind of environment can you provide them? But there, we, we, we are, let me say, we have a very huge portfolio of, of application, but I want to go back and to connect where we, where, which is the environment where, where they will be involved. Mm -hmm. The energy transition is the framework the way in which we want to leverage on our way to support the energy transition is the lighthouse of, of each one of the employees that we are trying to hire in, from the ICT side, from the business life side, from the staff side. We have to connect and reconnect every day each one of the activity and each one of them say of the things that we are asking to them to the general framework. That is one of the ambitions mm -hmm. no, in order to, stop, to be involved in a very huge and challenging program that is trying to change the world in terms of to be much more sustainable, to reduce the no. warming of the world, to reduce the fuel fossils, let me say, consumption, and to leverage on the renewable sources, let me say. And also to participate in develop a huge number of new business models that can, let me say, start to flourish in that kind, alongside of that kind of transformation. Think to the electric transportation, the platformization of the business, the demand uh, and the flexibility, the integration of the renewable with the storage, and so on and so on. And that is, let me say, the target that we are trying to, to and, and, and let me say, the picture that we are trying every day when we try to interview them, to provide to them, to make them no. aware about this is the environment that is waiting for you, that you can, let me say, leverage on in terms of also of to enrich your professional life, your professional career, your individual career, participating to the kind of huge pathway 
and transformation yeah. that the company is trying to leading around the world. Yeah, people can have an impact on the world by working for Inel and, 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 and making sure that uh, Inel reaches its, its net zero goals because mm -hmm. that's a huge goal I can ima imagine for the, for the company. So tell us a little bit, what is the impact of Inel going to become, uh, having the goal of becoming a net zero uh, company uh, what's the impact on IT and, and on software development and so on? So, and, and what's the role of, of IT in this as well? Yes, we have the aim to, re to reach in 2000, by 2040 the net zero, let me say, mm -hmm. way to do the business, working mainly in that remaining year on the scope two and on the scope three, because we are very far, mm -hmm. we, are, we are very near to reach the scope one. Okay, because we are announced to close the last coal power plant within 2027, so four, five years, no more, and we yep. are not in the, let me say, in the portfolio fuel fossil power plant, but we are only, let me say, renewable sources, and we have to work on the scope two, on the scope three of the emission. So we are working on the mm -hmm. entire value chain that we involve in doing the business. So we are looking to the external provider, we are looking to the external value chain in order to engage in our contract, in our way to do the business, only sustainable providers, okay? Yeah. And that is the general framework in order to drive the transformation, the energy transformation around the world in that way. So the, how you can uh, allow the world to be much more decarbonized. And on the other side, we are leveraged on the electrification, the consumption. What mm -hmm. this means? Leave out to the gas, leave out to, let me say, to the traditional way to produce energy and make, let me say, the domestic use, the industrial use, much more electric based from the beginning, using yeah. renewables and also use green energy sources and much more electrification in the mix from the beginning without mm -hmm. any kind, let me say, of transformation that continue to leverage on the nuclear, on the gas, or let me say polluting sources. Maybe within the next 10, 15 years, we'll rise on the market, the, a new generation of nuclear power plant, but what can we do now? starting from tomorrow in order to leverage on that kind yeah. of pathway. And when the secure nuclear will be present, we can also consider if yeah. go back and to adopt that kind of sources. And what's that was on the asset side? How can we contribute from the ICT side? Coming back to your question, yeah. developing sustainable code, developing sustainable mm -hmm. software, things that coming back to the aim of the project that I introduced to you uh, some, um, let me say, question before during our conversation. If we move from an asset orchestrator to a software-driven company and we are leveraging our, our way to do the business on platform and much more software and we have to develop and to manage a huge amount of software portfolio features compared with the past, we have to deliver sustainable artifacts. 
And that was the way, mm -hmm. the way of the basis of the project where we started a couple of years ago, the energy digital platform, because of to reduce the energy consumption in the data center, in the cloud data center, to develop much more efficient algorithm, to reuse artifacts in a very horizontal way, because of we are speaking of millions and millions of artifacts that can be delivered in a very different way, being then scalable, efficient, reusable, with a very reduced cost in terms of time, resources needed to maintain them up and running. Yeah. Because of the software is the key lever for the competition in the future market where we imagine the company will be involved in the near future. Instead of to manage power plants, probably we have to manage platforms and the software is the connector for, let me say, guarantee the support and the developing and the adopting of the new business model that will be much more software based. Yeah, very, very clear. So also software development needs to be become sustainable software development and be optimized code and so that you, because data centers all over the world are consuming important percentages of, of electricity nowadays. Yes, so consider, uh, coming absolutely. back to that point that you mentioned that it's really important, consider that in 2020, the global CHG emission provided by the cloud provider was more or less 4%, but we expect in 2015 that we'll, it will be double in five years, oh, wow. reaching 8-10% of the global consumption and we, there will be responsible for the GHG emission. So the new polluter of the world will be the cloud provider because of the huge amount of computational capacity that the world needs in order to, let me say, support the digital transformation within the different industrial sector, leveraging on computational capacity, AI, a huge amount of data, and so on and so on. And that's why we have to be much more, let me say, prepared to also reduce, optimize that kind of new consumption that is rising very, yeah. very fast. And, and the and there it's your role as ANL and other large organizations to impose on the on the hyperscalers the that that they work on that program and that they also become more sustainable and in, in their um, data centers and so on. Let's switch the topic because we could go on on sustainability for quite a quite a time. Let's talk a little bit about data. So you say we're becoming a, a software company, but I can imagine that also data is becoming more and more important in the organization and that. So, so how are you making sure that NL in general is becoming more data-driven and how do you support that from the ICT side? G great point, Hendrix. We start uh, on that kind of, uh, let me say, uh, to address the kind of concept four years, four years ago. And first of all, mm -hmm. we made data accessible to everyone. We were happy mm -hmm. to collect a huge amount of data, store, let me say, in the memories without using the data to take decision because we 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 work as a data informed company not a data driven and we initially start to breaking the silos and focuses on data quality after that 
we start to develop a data culture across the company, teaching business colleagues how to handle and read the data, build reports, mm -hmm. and so on. And we created a data-related courses held directly from the, our data scientists that during that kind of transformation, we hire from the market 200 data scientists and provided to the C-level to have access to dashboard, to KPI, in order to run the business and to take the decision, not based on comfort zone and habit, but based on data, on KPIs that they can monitor in real time autonomously instead of to be informed from reports that are speaking about the past. And that was the way in which we started to yeah. move from a data informed to a data driven way of working. And start to measure which were the amount of decision that the manager are taking with the data instead of the past. Yeah and what went wrong, and what went well, and what we learn from this in the ability to predict what we want to be in the near future, what was happened in the past, yep. that was the previous way of working, and the previous way of thinking. You know? So Carlo, you've been CIO now for eight years or longer at uh, Group CIO, and you clearly have put your, uh, your stamp on this organization. I mean, you've implemented data strategy, platformization strategy, cloud strategy, all in, in support, uh, sustainability strategy, and so on and so on. Um, Agile, many, many uh, important pillars for the digital transformation that you're putting in place. So how would you describe today, fundamentally, your role in the organization? Where is it that you spend today most of your time? I spend most of my time to speak with the people inside the organization from the peers, mm -hmm. let me say, to the final employees in order to uh, make them aware to be able to connect the dots from the strategy to the things that they need to focus in the daily basis activity because of mm -hmm. making them aware. Please, guys, when your boss asks to you to do something, don't start to immediately do what is asking, but take a moment and go back to the strategy. Is it in line with the strategy? Is it fitting with the words that I heard from the C-level of the company? Is my boss asking to me something that I can easily connect with the global strategy or not? And after mm -hmm. checking this, start to do the things. But if something is missing, please, ask to be much more clarified, much more explained. That is really the way that I need to do or is something missing? Not mm -hmm. to be scared to ask, to be feared to ask, to be clarified if the things that you are asked to do on a daily basis fit or not with the strategy. And please, please, please clarify and be able to connect this. And when you have connected this, start to do the things. Yeah. And how do you look in general to the role of the CIO? Because the role of the CIO, every, I would say yeah. every five, 10 years completely yeah. changes. 
So, so what is for you the future role of the CIO in a business? I think that uh, in my personal experience, this, this is my second life inside the company in the ICT space <laughs> because of I spent mm -hmm. 10 years within 2000, 2009, and I go back to the business in the distribution and I go back a new time uh, again in, uh, in the ICT space in 2014, becoming the global CEO. Mm -hmm. And the role, in my opinion, and what I'm experienced, changed a lot and many times over mm -hmm. the past years. I think that uh, in the early 2000s, we spoke, we spent a lot of time in how to maintain the alignment between business and ICT. And I imagine that also you remember that kind of... It was a big topic. It was, was a big topic yeah. for many, many years. And, uh, and how to share common objective and so on and so on and so on. Later, mm -hmm. we were asked to act as technology enabler because of, let me say, the new economy rising, the exploding of the web, of the, of, the of the apps, the mobile, and after to drive the change. I think that nowadays the platform is the year where we at least have to be perceived as business co-driver. Mm -hmm. Because of ICT is business, is the key ingredient to compete in the future market. We cannot follow, no. we cannot stay further, we can stay at the same level and co-drive, co-lead with the business, diluting the ICT in the business line. My scope, the scope of my, of the last part of my life is to cancel definitively the digital inside the company because of, we have completed the transformation because the digital oh. is well understood, managed by the business line because it's the new business to manage. Let's talk a little bit about, um, a little bit more about you. And uh, I mean, you're leading today a big team, 3,200 people, you're increasing it to 4,200 people. So you, have, you lead a huge IT organization. How would you describe your management style? What is the, your preferred way of managing teams? And what kind of managers do you like to have in your team? Very simple, open and agile. Mm -hmm. spend every day to help people to modify their traditional habits and change mm -hmm. the, the typical approach that were happy to, let me say, to put in place, if you think to the old leadership model. No? They were tested mm -hmm. in, on routines to repeat automatically, let me say, things to avoid to cumber some business practices, hierarchical relationship, structured way to do the things, let me say, and also based on control and command models to manage the people and not to, let me say, to work on content and processes, but my power is control the people. And I spent a lot of time in, in trying to, let me say, to change this and making them much more humble, be aware of having mm -hmm. to study continuously and to be honest, open, to be curious because of the pace of change that we are living is very compressed. 
compared to the past. And do you think the, the pandemic that we've had, that we lived through, has accelerated this change of, of how we work with our people, how people want to be managed, how, how people uh, look at leadership in a company? Dramatically, in the good sense of the word, dramatically, because of we have much more awareness in the, let me say, in the decision maker on which the technology is able to provide in order to change the way to do the things in order also, I think the technology is quite available in the market, cheaper. The key mm -hmm. factor is which is the proper technology that can inject in the company in order to support the pathway that they want to follow no? and the way in which I want to compete. And I think that the pandemic accelerate the awareness in the decision maker that the technology is present and was not the problem, but the cultural mindset and the ability to fully understand the potential of the technology and be able to extract the value is the gap to close. So let's talk a little bit more about your leadership style, because we talked about your management style. You want to have an open relationship, make it clear. People also connect the dots to the strategy of the company and, and, and so on. But how do you think the people that you work with, the, the teams around you, how do you think they will perceive you? How, what do you think they will say about you when you're not around? <laughs> very, very good question, a very tremendous question. I think that uh, what, they, what they think about me, because they, they share with me in reality. So, <laughs> right, that's good. Yeah. Uh, we have never had such a demanding boss who gives, who gives us uh, very clear and direct feedback, but who mm -hmm. have never had so much fun before feeling truly involved in an ambition transformation project in order to be managed not a cost center, but let me say an actor of the transformation inside the company. We are working a lot, we work a lot, ever we, we, we were involved to do, but also we mm -hmm. had fun and we were able to grow on a professional and personal life. Uh, and that, that was the best recognition that, that, I, that I can get yep. from, them, from them. I'm really demanding, I'm pushing a lot of them, but I also able to feel them free to propose idea. I want to leverage on their, let me say, proposition every day. That was one also of the things that uh, I have the opportunity to meet in my career with my previous boss in a very different, let me say, organization, old-fashioned organization. And that was the way because I was able to grow inside the company from, let me say, the lowest level to the C-levels mm -hmm. where I am now. Okay. And so I know you have a, a family, you have a son. Yeah. On a Friday evening, when you come home, when are you happy? What, what is it that needs to have happened that week? What is it really that drives you in your work and your life? I think that is important if you lead a very huge and demanding organization when you push a lot on, uh, let me say, on your passion, 
on your motivation. I'm very lucky because I'm doing the job that I want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really demanding. I'm fully involved in the kind of uh, transformation of the company on a personal point of view and on a business point of view. But we have also to be honest and to take rests in the weekend, in the evening, in order to rebalance your work life with your family, with your parents, with your friends, in order to have time to restore you know, your ideas, your energy, your passion, yeah. your, cultivate your curiosity, making sports, living the free time with the family. I like to climb, I like to track, I like to play tennis and so on. In order to have, let me say, some rest momentum, in order to recharge the battery, in order yeah. to study, to deepen some topics, in order to, let me say, continue to be fresh and to be prepared uh, to face the challenges that you, let me say, yeah. face every day when you go back to the office. And also because, and, and you live in the, also because yeah. the parents, the family, the contest is providing to me, let me say, a protection. Let me say, mm -hmm. I can afford on them because of, I can nowadays speak with you with this tremendous opportunity and with, let me say, great opportunity that I have to, to grow inside the economy because of them. And you live in this beautiful country, right? Uh, so you yeah. live in the best country in the world. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, outside of work, you have the best way to, uh, to relax and to enjoy life. I can, I'm, I'm certain. Now, Carlo, uh, a common thread in our leadership deep dive interviews is that we ask people their MBTI profile, their personality type. And you shared with us that your personality type is that you are a commander, an ENTJ. Uh, somebody who's extroverted, intuitive, thinking, and a judging uh, personality. And these are typically people that are very decisive and who love momentum and accomplishment. And people uh, with ENTJs, they gather information to construct a creative vision but they rarely hesitate for long before they act on them. So there's a, this is a, a very strong leadership uh, personality type. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a couple of strengths of people with this profile. And then you tell me which one fits best for you. And then we'll do the, the same with, uh, with, with, with weaknesses as well. So on strengths, people with an ANTGA profile, they're efficient. They're highly energetic. They're self-confident. They're strong-willed, they're strategic thinkers, and they are charismatic and inspiring. What is really your gift? What is it that makes you such a strong leader? And what in your personality is special? Uh, maybe the, the best one is uh, to be able to inspire, to inspire, to invigorate the team. I think this is the best, mm -hmm. the best one. No? to be able to inspire, to explain why it's important to pursue on that kind of target and how we can connect that very simple task with the strategy, the global strategy of the company. And I think this is the, mm -hmm. the, the, the best fit with the strengths and to be energetic and to be efficient. And do you, what, what, do you do something special to inspire people? I mean, you need to communicate a lot, I think, with, with people around the organization. Do you do 
town hall meetings? Do you do daily emails? Do you do video messages? What, what is your style of, of inspiring people? Very, very simple. Put me at, at their level. Speak in mm -hmm. front of them. Be open to grab questions. Thousands and thousands of questions. And so, so clearly, we, we, we are a very huge company spread around the world in 40 countries. So we, we need to use technology. We need to use, uh, let me say, digital platform. We need to use uh, uh, interviews like this in order to speak continuously with the people, to make them engaged. Mm -hmm. But what is important is you speak vis-a-vis -vis with the people on a single point of view, in groups and so on, come to visit them in their own environment. In the past, pre, uh, before the pandemic, I spent, I was able to spend half of my time on planes, wow. tripping around the world, okay? in order to visit the people, to have them in front and be open to grab questions. Mm -hmm. After a conversation where I, I went to meet them and to present the strategy every time we change it, every time we reinforce it, every time we redefine it for eight years, mm -hmm. many times in several countries. That was the way, that, that was the way. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's look at the other side of the coin. Uh, yeah. You have the strengths, but we have also potential weaknesses. Yeah. So some people with your personality profile, they can be very stubborn. They can be dominant. Sometimes they are intolerant or impatient, uh, up to the point where they can become arrogant. They don't handle emotions necessarily very well. They can be cold and ruthless. What is your development point? Where did you have to work on for yourself and, 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 and to overcome maybe a couple of these uh, weaknesses? Yes, uh, um, sometimes I was intolerant because of uh, the need to change fastly, they need to start to grab uh, mm -hmm. and to reach fastly objective, okay? And uh, it's, it's, it, it, it was quite, 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 let me say, true. Uh, impatient because of the sense of urgency that I have to inject in the organization yep. in starting to change. And uh, what I felt as quite uncomfortable because many, many colleagues share this with me. To be perceived sometimes quite uh, cold, but this is, is a question of that affect people that know me very superficial. But if mm -hmm. you spend time to try to reach my soul, as I'm trying to do with my colleagues uh, in order to establish, let me say, a much more emotional relations. I can be yeah. very open and very, let me say, warm, but on a superficial point of view, that was quite true, that can uh, sometimes I, I perceived as a cold person, no? be much, much, let me say, too much, let me say, formal sometimes, uh, much more, let me say, 
let me say, strike to the target, okay? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, it's, it's on, 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 on the same time, it's important to, to reach the soul of the people, to reach the, the emotional part of the people in order to grab, let me say, passion, yep. motivation, and so on. And I worked a lot in the, la in the last 10 years on this because of, I know very well my profile, and that are really mm -hmm. part that uh, I try uh, to What reinforce. did you do to overcome that? How, how did you change? I mean, did you go and meditate or you, no. what, what's the, what did you effectively do to become more people-oriented and, and less result, well, result and people-oriented? Working, working the last 15 years with coach and mentor, internal and external. Okay. Years mm -hmm. and years in order to, let me say, because of the challenges has changed many times in the last 15 years because mm -hmm. of the role that I covered the different challenges in the plan, also the different things that yep. you have to manage and so on, the different challenges to address. So the contest has changed many times and you need to be continuously, let me say, open to work on this if you want to fit with the contest and you want to work on your own in terms of management style, in terms of way to engage the people, in way, way to manage your, let me say, reports, in way to also manage the conversation of your peers, your, on your bosses, in the different business line that I worked through in my long career. And I continue to work on this from the beginning and uh, to change the way and uh, the area to work when I reach different position and, and also much more demanding position. You have to continue to, to be humble and to work on your, let me say, weaknesses area. If you want to be prepared also, to be also humble, to admit there is something too close, as gap in your Nobody's perfect and we all need to develop and, and, and grow and, and on, on all different levels. Eh? Yeah. So, Carlo, you told me that you have coach, mentor, people that help you in, in, in your personal, your professional development. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Who are in your life the people that you look up to? Who are the real mentors in your life? Who are the people that you have learned a lot from? And, and can you maybe give an example? Without any doubts, my parents, Hendrix. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that through continuous study, hard work, the desire to follow your own passion without compromise, the ability to listen. Uh, that was the, the key concept that my family, my parents transferred to me during my growing. And mm -hmm. uh, if you think uh, to a man or to a woman, no? and if you think that generally speaking, uh, he, can, he and she can live more or less eight years. That means that you have in front of you, after you're born, more or less 25,000 days to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, just born, when you open your eyes, you have in front 20,500 lucky days and 20,500 unlucky days. But if you start to do something, you can change the ratio in your favor. Mm -hmm. 
And that was the great lesson that my father and my mother transferred to me. Okay. And Carl, do you have a, have a personal mantra, a saying, something that helps you in, in, in difficult days or with difficult decisions? Uh, yeah, it's very simple and uh, very practical at the same time. Mm -hmm. Take one step, then another, then another. Having the courage to do what is necessary to move forward. Mm -hmm. It's very, very simple. You have a great picture in front of you, a vision, great challenges, but you have to be able to fully understand what is needed to do today, tomorrow, and again, step by step. I'm very interested, Carlo, to learn more about your what, what drives you. You already said you have a passion for the business and, and, and you find at home and, and, and with your family uh, a way to relax and, and with the sports that you do. But let's talk a little bit more about the core values. What is it that, um, what are the core values that, you, I mean, you have a son, 18 years old. What are yeah. the values that you have passed on to him and, and that you live by yourself and you want him to live by? Very simple, there are very few. Mm -hmm. uh, be honest with yourself. We, we think about honesty in terms of the relation with the others, with the people, with your environment. But I think that mainly you have to be honest with yourself. You have mm -hmm. to be aligned and centered with yourself in terms of the real things that you want to do, which are your passion, which are your, let me say, motivation. And uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. You are not, let me say, it's not a problem if you ask for help. If you grow, yeah. being able to ask if you need help is not a demonstration of weakness. Yeah. It's to be aware, to be aware that there is something that you have to close. There is something that is not in your hands in that momentum. And you have to be able to look around there is something that can help me, and you raise the hand and ask for help. And to be able to learn, to listen, and to understand the reason of the others, instead of start to push on your own reason. But yep. mainly, basically, start to understand and to be open to learn from the others, and you combine their opinion with yours, and you try to address in the correct way, let me say, the final solution. But mainly, start to listen. Carlo, what, if you look back, I mean, you had a, a long career already. What is, and, and, uh, in professional life or maybe in, in, in personal life as well, what is the best thing that has ever happened to you? The best things. Having a children and becoming a parent and a father, mm -hmm. I think was the best one. Having the opportunity to enter from a young age in this company and become part of a large company and take it to sale and wide and grow a lot in these mm -hmm. last 40 years inside the company. I was honored. It was for me a great occasion to, to grow as a man, as a professional and to navigate 
in a very challenging times inside a very huge company. I had not the necessity to go out, to went out in the market in order to face new competition, mm -hmm. to face, uh, let me say, new opportunity because of the wideness of the company in, geograph in terms of geographical, let me say, span, in terms of diversification of the business, in terms of opportunity that I had really to navigate inside, mm -hmm. having at the same time without going out to the market to face new job opportunity, but growing internally, having the possibility to move and also make my, my let me say, uh, my, um, my, uh, my, my person, my, let me say, per professional profiles at, at the disposition of the company to grab and, let me say, reach new opportunity in navigating the company. Also, not only on the professional life, but also to have the opportunity to meet new colleagues, new culture, yeah and new, uh, new businesses around the world. So Carlo, you've been very fortunate. I mean, you had great opportunities yeah. and you took the opportunity and, and now to develop yourself and to build a, a very important career. So many, many good things has hap have happened to you. But could you maybe also share with us what was maybe one of the worst things that has ever yes. happened in your life and, and how do you overcome that? It's, it's a personal momentum, it's not a professional momentum. And was the loss of, the loss of my parents. Mm -hmm. Thinking back what they teach to me and it was the moment when I truly realized for the first time that I was no longer a son and I find myself to, to be the top of the tree and I overcame it by putting their teaching into practices every day in personal and professional life. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a very important moment in your life, eh? when you realize that from now on, you're all the oldest in, oldest in the family. Eh? So yeah, yeah. That's an, an, an important one. Now let's go back to business. And so you've built very successful career and you've made huge successes, but I can imagine we all have made our failures and we, we learn from our failures. So would you care maybe sharing with us what was one of your most brilliant failures in the company and what did you learn from it? It's a lo very long story. We should stay here for a full day talking about <laughs> it. Uh, let's say that I fale, failed every time I did not have the courage to bet on innovative idea that was presented to me by my colleague of my teams. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, sometimes it, it has happened. I can say when the comfort zone prevails over the willingness to change, to do things differently. Mm -hmm. And all the times that I took decision, remaining in the comfort zone was for me a fail, was for me a failure. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it has happened. So that's the key concept that I want to transfer to you. And yeah. I'm trying to train my colleagues, my reports in, please speak with the people, set up very, let me say, uh, open environment, bet on the ideas that your, your 
organizations or reports present to you, go out to the comfort zone because if you think to some failure that you can, let me say, encounter along that kind of way of working, maybe you can also have the great opportunity to grab, let me say, very fresh and very, let me say, exponential idea, exponential occasion to change mm -hmm. the route in a very different direction. So you have to learn to fail, to train and teach organization also to speak about their failure openly mm -hmm. and set up an oblique culture inside the company. In your life, Carlo, what is it that you fear most and what is it that you love most? The fear is not always being able to do everything I want to do <laughs> mm -hmm. because there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that I want to do I want to continue to do I'm 60 years old so that's a, a very long professional story but I have the energy that was in, inside me at the beginning of the career mm -hmm. and I love to continue to do business and to run the business in that way so I think that coming back to the business for me could be important to have the occasion to really participate and to be deeply involved in the kind of huge energy transformation that is affecting the world because not only related to the business because we are a company, we are a listed company because of the impact that the purpose that the, let me say, the challenge could have of the future generation mm -hmm. on our sons, on, on the future generation in terms of supporting a different way the, the warming of the globe, the climate change, the way of to change the habits in energy consumption. It's, I think it's a really, a, really, a really challenging purpose, a really challenging scope. It is quite yeah. general. It's quite horizontal, but it's very involving. It's, it's, really, it's really, let me say, emotional in terms of, let me say, feeling to be part of that. So, Carlo, thank you so much for, uh, for your time and uh, for sharing your vision and, and your strategies and, and the way that you look at life and at personal and professional life. Um, these videos uh, watched by many different people around the globe and, and, and a large group of them are ambitious young people that want to follow your footsteps and want to become a, a global CIO of a large organization themselves. So what is the advice that you would give to young future digital leaders? To be humble, curious, but mainly to get used to unlearning often and quickly unlearning often and quickly because only with I think this kind of mindset and flexibility in, the, in your brain, in your mindset, you can welcome new points of view and way of doing things and therefore be open to innovate, to be able to unlearn very very fast. That means that you are open to do new way of working, to do new things. Okay, super. Carlo, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to meeting you soon again 
in La Bella Roma, in uh, the Chionet Italia uh, e, uh, community event. So I'm really looking forward to that. So thank you for your time today and, uh, and see you very soon. Thank you very much, Andrew, for the very interesting and emotional conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you.